Would you bow your heads right there for a moment of prayer? I hope if you're here today and you're a Christ follower that the stories such as we saw just a moment ago in that video still amaze you. And if you've never, if you've never embraced God's grace through His Son, Jesus Christ, I pray that video would spark something in you. You know, Jesus said something. He said that, that no one can come to the Father or to me unless the Father draw him. And no one's here by accident today. And if you're here as a Christ follower, you have a divine appointment with your God today. And if you're not a Christ follower, you've got a divine appointment with the God of the universe. Who loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. And I, I know I can't, I can't bring you to Christ. And no speaker can. It has to be God working in your heart. But I just want to begin our service day with a prayer that, that God would work in our hearts and lives. And do his amazing work. And God, we do love you in an incredible way today. Thank you so very much um, for your incredible love. Your amazing love for us. And Father, we take time over the next several weeks to just stop at different places. May they truly amaze us. Father, for my friend here today who's never, who's never found forgiveness of sin, may today he or she feel your pulling and drawing them to Christ. Do what no man can do. Do what emotion can't do. Bring people to salvation today. And Father, for us, your people, may we again freshly be amazed. We deeply love you and asking you to be honored and be made big in our service today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, today we're going to start a four-week series um, called Amazing Destinations. You know, it's been my privilege over, over my lifetime um, to be in about, I think we count like 17 different countries. Some of those are like touchdowns and leaves, but, but a lot of them I had the opportunity to stay in different, uh, different lengths of time in different parts of the country. And I've seen some truly amazing things in my lifetime. But I can honestly stand before you as a pastor, as a speaker of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and tell you that the places that we want to go over the starting today in the next three weeks, nothing on this earth touches those wonderful places. And really amazing truths um, that are there. Um, it's amazing. Now, you may say, Wayne, why would we take time today? Um, is it because of the Lord's Supper? Why would we take time today to visit Calvary? I mean, we know that story pretty well. Or maybe perhaps you'd say, well, Dwayne, why do we, it's not Easter. <laughs> it's not Easter, Dwayne. Why are we going to spend time the next week talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And then you might say, well, Dwayne, you know, hell's not a very popular topic these days. It's not politically correct. Why would we spend time in church talking about a place called hell? And then ultimately you would say, well, Dwayne, you know, heaven's great, but we kind of know that story too. So why would we spend time? And the reason why is this. When I lived in Cobham, um, I, I was, Cobham's a pretty place. It's just a really pretty place. And um, when I first came into Cobden in, in 1984, um, when we came, actually 86, when we came in, we came in old 51. And um, I'd heard about the place. Uh, the pastor that had told me about Cobden told me about it. And uh, we had talked to the pulpit committee and things like that. So when we were driving into Cobden for the first time, we came in old 51. It's flat. Um, some old farms and things like that around. 
and uh, the road's kind of curvy. And I remember entering in Cobden City Limits and going, so this is Cobden. You know, like, really impressed. So this is Cobden. Well, one day, I'm not sure exactly we moved in or not, but, but we found another way, and that's going down New 51. And we turned on what they call Bell Hill Road. Now, if you have ever participated into the River to River Run, you know Bell Hill. Um, it's a very steep hill, and it has other names when you run up that hill. Uh, they're not so kind, and uh, it kind of rhymes with Bell. <laughs> anyway, so, so here's the deal. So I lived at the bottom of Bell Hill on the, on the right-hand side coming into town, and I would top that hill, and I could see the entire valley. I mean, just huge area. And I really, I can honestly say, not try and make, up, make it go with the sermon, I was amazed how beautiful it was. And then, then that, you know, that was in the summertime, and then fall came, and there's all these hardwoods, and I would top that hill and go, wow, I can't believe I live here. It was really like a little part of the Smoky Mountains. And I went over every time. You can ask, gee, this is true. We would top that hill and go, isn't that beautiful? And it went on for years. And then one day, I didn't say it. One day, somehow, it became routine. It became every day, and I topped the hill, and no longer was I moved with the beauty. It just became the place that I live. And the reason why I want to take us to Calvary, the reason why I want to take us to the empty tomb, the reason why I want to take us to a place called hell, and the reason why I want to, to, uh, to move us to heaven in the last week is I want us to once again be amazed and what the Word of God says about these incredible places and the great truths they represent. And my prayer today is that, that those of us who know Christ, where we've been saved a little while or a long while, that once again we'll just be amazed by God's love for us on a hill called Calvary. And then we'll be amazed about the power, the power of the resurrection. We'll be amazed about the severity of hell to the point of we'd be once again driven to tell people of the great truth of Jesus Christ. And we'll be encouraged with the hope of heaven. So if you want to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Mark chapter 15 is where we're going to be. Mark chapter 15. And again, my goal today is not to paint some kind of a graphic picture for you. You know all about the crucifixion. Most of you do. You know, most of you know that it was called the death of deaths. And it was a very gruesome, uh, it was a very uh, horrible way to die. You know all of that. But I want to try to bring in some details that I hope will amaze you and cause you to ponder and to think. So in Mark chapter 15, verse 25, we already have the trial behind us. Uh, Jesus has already been scourged. Already Simon of Serene has been enlisted to help Jesus carry the cross up uh, to Calvary because he's been so abused physically. He did not have the energy, the strength, human strength to go up to Calvary carrying the cross. And so the Romans enlisted Simon of Cyrene to, to carry the cross up. And the Bible simply says this, and, and again, now this is one of those sermons I want to tell you it's going to build. So if, you're, if you go through point one, you go, okay, then that was all right, but just hang on. Just hang on. The Bible says, now it was nine in the morning. Your translation may say the third hour. And we know that Mark used the Jewish time, which began at six o'clock in the morning, hence about nine o'clock, the third hour. Um, John, for instance, in his gospel, uses Roman time, which has a different hour listed. But it was about the nine o'clock in the morning, about the third hour, when they had crucified him. And again, most of us have seen the pictures and we know what that entails. And the inscription of the charge written against him was the king of the Jews. Now, let me pause there and, and, and share just a moment. 
the king of the Jews. Now, this was not a compliment. This was not Pilate feeling guilty. This is not Pilate saying, boy, my wife said don't mess with him. Maybe I can appease this God if I call his, his, king, his son the king. You know, this was a warning from Rome. What the point was is that when the, when the people who walked by would see this, this epitaph saying, saying the king of the Jews, that they would get the message that this is what Rome does to kings who think they're greater than Rome. This is a warning to anyone who would call himself a king that Rome is all-powerful. They missed it totally. See, when the sign says the king of the Jews, this is a different kind of king. This is not a king who was going to reign physically on this earth. But it was a king who was going to reign over the galaxies. This was a king who did not sit in a palace and look down on the people. This is a king that loved the people so much that he was willing to be nailed to an old Roman cross and shed his blood. May I propose to you today that this is a king like no other king. And what Pilate meant and what the Romans meant and what the scribes and Pharisees meant as disgrace and an end was a beginning and great glory. It is Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. And they crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on the left. You see, there were three crosses that day. And the important thing for that is, if you are a Christ follower, and this may be a discouragement, if you're out there today and you're hearing this gospel story for the first time, this may be a discouragement to you because you go, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that. But those two other crosses... Remind us that following Christ has a price. Now, now, Jesus paid for the salvation of men through his sacrificial death on the cross. But to become a follower of Christ costs you something. There are no cheap crosses. Because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. You've got to deny yourself. And follow me. This, this false teaching going around that, that if we simply trust Christ, that we get our best life now, that we trust Christ, that we never lose our jobs. If we trust Christ, we never get ill. If we trust Christ, our families turn out perfect. Is not biblical. Because Jesus said, in this world you're going to have tribulation. I remember two guys named James and John. They're going to be mentioned at least twice today. And James and John, you understand the boys, when they signed up with Jesus, they had that same concept. They had Jesus overthrowing the Roman government, the oppressors. He was going to be king, and they were going to be the 12 princes. It was going to be a great gift. They were going to be rock stars. And so James and John, two brothers, come to Jesus one day and say, Hey, you know, Jesus, when you like become the king... Do you think we could sit like on your left and on your right? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. See, the throne, the throne that Jesus took that day was an old Roman cross. And James and John didn't know it, but each one of us are called to be crucified. Paul said this way in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. I die to self. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
So today, when you think about those two men and those extra crosses, remember that as you are a Christ follower, this is not heaven. That comes three weeks from today. In this world, we may be called to be martyrs. We may be called, we are called to be missionaries. We are called to be messengers of the greatest news ever that Jesus Christ lived, that Jesus Christ died, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and there's hope for every person regardless of skin color or regardless of how wealthy they may be or how poor they may be, that Christ died for the world and you can have forgiveness of sins. How powerful is that? And we are called to be those messengers. It might well involve our own cross one day. I shall never forget the words that Matt shared that morning. When they understood very well where they're going, it may well cost their lives. They are not going in ignorant. They know the price. And we should know the price also. So as he is hanging there on this cross, and he was counted among these outlaws, it was a prophetic thing that, that he was hung with these outlaws. The Bible says in verse 29 that those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, the one who would demolish the sanctuary and build in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. Now, again, we do not have just pure biblical truth, but we understand that the same crowds were at all these events. The same crowds were there saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the son of David. Just just days before this. The same crowd would have been there. And most certainly we can say with authority that some of those same people that saw Jesus open blinded eyes, that that saw Jesus uh, restore withered hands, that saw Jesus Christ raise people from the dead, perhaps are the same ones who said, Hosanna, Hosanna, are now walking by the cross. And and in in just an emotional fervor, they're shaking their heads back and forth. Saying, Jesus, you said you could, you could tear the temple down and build it back. Come down. Come down off the cross. See, they were miracle followers. Aren't we all sometimes? Come on. Don't all of us follow God because it's a good gig? Don't we follow God because it's nice to know the God universe is on your side? You know, that, that if it all falls apart, that the God universe, maybe he'll put it back together for you. Kind of like you know, when we leave in Santa Claus, that kind of a thing. Don't we all kind of do that? These were miracle followers. <laughs> Some of them perhaps got a free meal that day. Y'all know how I feel about free meals. If someone buys my lunch, they're my friend for life. Perhaps they got a free bread and fish meal that day. And so they simply asked for one more miracle in their mind. Come on, Jesus. You said you'd tear the temple down. Hey, Come on, one more miracle, man. One more miracle, Jesus. Come down off the cross. We want to see it happen. And that was the one miracle he couldn't do. Because you see, if he came down off the cross to save himself, he could not die on the cross to save us. Oh, he could have. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he was a man on mission. He came to die. That we might live. Amazing. Amazing. And then the religious folks. 
The Bible says in verse 31, in the same way the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him. Now, I like this. I didn't really see this before, but listen to what it says. They were mocking him to one another. They weren't hollering out to Jesus. They were in their holy huddles. They're grouped up. And they're all saying, ha, 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 Yeah, he thought he was the Messiah, huh? Well, let's see the Messiah get off of this one. They were having their, their pep rally groups. And here's what they were saying to each other. He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so we may see and believe. They got it right for once. They, got it. they actually got the truth right. He saved others and he cannot save himself. Well spoken, chief priest. Because again, he could not save himself and save us. Oh, this wonderful orchestrated plan of God. Promised from Genesis chapter 3. Painted portrait-wise by the sacrificial system. Each lamb that was slain, each ram that was slain, each ox that was slain, as that blood poured out into the, into the pan, that blood was pointing to the Lamb of God dying on the cross this day. All pointing toward a place called Calvary. And these guys, these guys on the other side, even those who were crucified with him were taunting him. Two thieves, two, two uh, zealots, two rebellious men against the system and perhaps against Rome were there. And they were taunting him. But you know what? Again, Thank God for his wonderful word, because in one of the other Gospels, somehow one of those guys said, wait a minute, what am I doing? And he begins telling the other guy, wait a minute, we deserve this. And he doesn't. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you came to your kingdom. And Jesus said, man, today, today you're going to be with me in a place called paradise. And that's how it is with us. There's only two kinds of people in the world. You could say forgiven and unforgiven. You, you could say people who have experienced God's grace and people who have not. And to every person here who says, it's too late. It's too late for my son. It's too late for my daughter. It's too late for my husband. It's too late for my wife. It's too late for my neighbor. I point to the cross where a man said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, in just a few minutes, we'll be there. No matter what you've done. No matter how much the world points their finger to and says, you're not worthy of anything. Well, we're not worthy. But last time I checked, salvation was not about worthiness. It's about grace. It's about grace. So one of those two men went to glory and one went to hell. And based only on this man's decision to believe in the man in the middle. That's it. That's just like us. Each person sitting here today, no matter how moral you were, like I told you, you know my story. Some of you do not know my story. But my story is I went to church all my life. I have not, well, one small taste of alcohol when my mama, as a, as a kid, used to base her fruitcakes and wine. And she gave me a little taste off a teaspoon one day. So you want morality? I've got morality. I'm kind of like Paul. You want morality? You want religion? I was religious all my life. 
You want purity? I, you know, I, I was, I was uh, not had alcohol, I had not smoked, I had not done drugs. All the things that we point to. Yeah, good boy. When are we going to learn that good is not good enough? When are we going to learn that outside of God's amazing grace, we have nothing to bring to the table but grace? And it's God's. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the crowds walking by, give us one more miracle, Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees are in holy huddles. Said, Jesus, get out of this one. And at least one, eventually, both, but eventually one, just keeps taunting him. Taunting him. You think you're so good. And this collection of scriptures, verses 33 through 38, are so incredibly rich. Do not miss the power of this. Mark records and says this. It was noon, or it was the sixth hour. And darkness came over the whole land until three o'clock in the afternoon. So around noon, we do not know if it was clouds, if God blotted out the sun, but darkness came over this land. The people had to be blown out of their minds. What is going on? Well, during this time, and let me say this, because Dave and I were talking in the office one day, and he's talking about another teacher who claimed that when, when Jesus was on the cross and the issue of sin was at hand, that he stopped being the Son of God. That's heresy. Jesus Christ never stopped being the Son of God. But as darkness sweeps over the land, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. So as God turns out the lights. That day in the land. Jesus Christ becomes sin. Whose sin? All of ours. All of ours. Been saved 50 years? Your sin. Been saved two months? Your sin. Pretty moral? Your sin. Downright sinful? Your sin. He became sin for us. How incredible. How amazing. I used to say that God placed on him the sin. No, 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 no. 2 Corinthians 5 is very clear. He became that sin. And that darkness, God turns out the lights to hide this horrible sight. In fact, the darkness itself represents the darkness of sin. We forget this. See, we forget how dark our lives was before Jesus Christ. The longer we stay in church and the longer we are part of God's grace, the tendency is, is not to be amazed at grace, but it means how good we are and how lucky God is to have us on His team. We're not lucky. God's not lucky to have us on the team. We're the blessed ones. Don't believe luck. We're the blessed ones because we have experienced amazing grace. How cool, how amazing is that? So he becomes sin and, and darkness covers the earth. And the sun, now you've got to get this. The sun is separated from the father for the first and only time 
in all of eternity. Because the next verse says, I love this verse. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cries out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, Jesus experiences the horror of hell because the greatest horror of hell is to be eternally separated from God. And Jesus experienced that. To give you a graphic picture, it's as if my kids are crying out for my help and I willfully turn my back on my children. That day, if you need a physical image, God the Father turned His back on His Son. And the full wrath of God was poured out on the man on the cross. And that to me is amazing. Because it wasn't a plan gone bad. It wasn't God had an oops moment. It wasn't like God lost control. Have you ever lost control of the situation? It wasn't like God let things get out of control. Before the foundation of the world was laid. Before the first sin, the plan was made that the Son of God would come and die on that Roman cross for worthless people like us. Why? For God so loved the world. That's why. That's why. God loves us. Now, that's, you need to hear that today. Because you're somebody like me who sometimes look at the mirror and go, I don't like me. How can God like me? Honey, he goes beyond liking. He loves. In fact, may I just say this? That God the Father is infatuated with you. And that's one good reason why we should be infatuated with God. It should be a mutual love affair. He loves us. He loved us. And He loves us. No matter how dark your day is right now, He loves you. No matter how concerned you are about the future, child, He loves you. And He endures this this darkness. He endures becoming sin. He endures the separation from the Father at that moment. And God, Jesus knew why. Even though it's phrased as a question, He knew why. This is what, this is what Jesus, listen, listen. This is what Jesus was praying about in the garden. When he said, if there's any way, it wasn't the physical death. If there's any way this cup can pass from me, please let it be. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It is the Elo, Elo, Eli, Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he was praying about. So as darkness comes, he cries out. And the Bible says, someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and, and fixed it on a reed because they thought he was crying out for Elijah. And they offered it to him a drink and said, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. When the other gospel makes it clear that one guy was getting the reed and one guy was saying they're crying for Elijah. One guy had compassion, the other guy mocked. Isn't it a paradox with the cross? The people that were there and their responses to the cross... And the Bible says, but Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. We know from the Gospel of John, you know he cried out? Three words in the English. It is finished. It is finished. 
The price has been paid. The atonement has been made. The propitiation has been made. It is finished. The, the, the way, the price of sin has been paid. Opening the door for any man, woman, or child to come into relationship with Creator. God. That's a good place for an amen. Alright, now listen. Do you understand if it wasn't finished, what a problem that would be? Because if it wasn't finished and the price wasn't totally paid, even if it was only half paid, you and I can't afford to pay the other half. I mean, if you're to say, if you're to say, Dwayne, how about you? You go with Judy and we'll take our wife, and we'll stay in a hotel room, and you pay half and I pay half. Now, if it's an eight days in, we're in like Lent. I can afford an eight days in. But if we're going downtown to the most expensive hotel in New York City, honey, I can't even afford half. And I'm here to tell you the reason important that it is finished, that was paid for, because you couldn't afford 50, you couldn't afford 40, you couldn't afford 30, you couldn't afford 1% of your salvation. You ain't that good. But Jesus paid it all. Come on now. All to Him I owe. Because sin had left me mortally stained. Spiritually dead. But he made me white as snow. So he cries out, it is finished. It's done. It's paid for. And breathed his last. He said over in John also, he said, guys, I want you to understand something. I have power to lay my life down. And I got power to take it up again. See, I, I, to me this is important. I don't know if it, it's important to you or not. Do you understand the Roman government did not kill Jesus? Do you understand the scribes and Pharisees? How are you going to kill God? Now, y'all, I know some of y'all think God is dead. Well, one, he's not. And how would you kill him in the first place? You think God's up in heaven going, they don't believe me anymore, I might as well just die. America's abandoned God, I might as well throw in the towel. He ain't going to be killing God. And I know he's in a human body. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ laid his life down. One of the say he yielded up his spirit. Power to take it. To lay it down and power to pick it up. And once the price was paid, once the atonement was made, once the perpetuation was made, he laid his life down. And by the way, I'll jump ahead a couple or the next week. He's going to pick her up again. Come on now. He's going to pick her up again. It ain't over. <laughs> Just, now, still come back next week. We'll talk about it, but it's not over. The Bible says, I love this. Verse 38. And we can't really get this. But they could. In verse 38. Then the curtain of the sanctuary... More specifically, the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. The curtain was split in two from top to bottom. Now that's just about enough when you start understanding it to make a Baptist shout. Because, and again, I know you've heard this, but I want you to be amazed all over again. Now you understand, the Jewish people had this relationship with God, but it was on a far off relationship. And once a time, once a year, the, the chief priest, the high priest, could go into that holy of holies place. They would tie a rope around his leg in case things went south, where they could drag him out. The corpse wouldn't rot. 
So, so the, holy, the, the high priest once a year went in and made atonement for the sins. Again, looking forward to the cross, made atonement. And that curtain, they say, is six inches thick, 15, 16 feet tall. And when Jesus cries out and says, it is finished, and laid his life down, the Bible says that thick curtain was split. And I love it, I love it, I love it. It's like God threw open the door and said, anyone who's willing to turn from their sin, anyone who's willing to repent of their sin and choose to follow my son Jesus Christ, accepting my gift of amazing grace, come on in. Come on in. That's what he's saying. He hung out the welcome sign and said, if you're willing to come by the way of the cross, if you're willing to come by Jesus Christ, my son, come on in. Now, now don't try to go in religion. Come on now. Don't try to take your religion to Holy Hose. It ain't going to work. No, don't try to bring in your good works. You know, I'm a three-time-a-weeker and get 20% of my income. Don't you try to go in the Holy of Holies. You can't do it. But you, but you come in by the blood. You come in by the precious blood that was spilled by the application of God's amazing grace on your life. You come in and God says, welcome home, child. Welcome home. Woo! Come on now. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. And did you just see that little detail that God's Word gives us? Because some of y'all might say, I bet one of his disciples, while all this is going on out there, and nobody was in temple, because all the, all, the, all the high priests were in huddle groups, saying, God, God, God. I bet one of his disciples snuck in and got him a pair of hedge trimmers. Maybe got him a steel weed eater. You know, things are cut in anything. And started at the bottom and went, and cut that curtain. Uh-uh. Because God's precious word says it was split from top to bottom. It was God initiated. It was God initiated. Top to bottom. Split wide open. Come on in. The way of grace makes it possible. Wow. And then, Mark, under the expression of the Holy Spirit, Gives us just a glimpse of something else that's going on here. The Bible says in verse 39. When the centurion, which by the way is a Roman officer, usually in charge of a hundred, a century being a hundred, a centurion in charge of a hundred Roman soldiers, hardened. I mean, you know, to him the crucifixion was normal. Hi honey, going to work today, got a guy to kill. It was, it was life. Roman soldiers were hardened by the blood that they saw spilled. There were no tears, no emotion for the Roman soldier at the crucifixions. It's just another day on the job. But this centurion, who was standing opposite him, across from him, saw the way he breathed his last. And here's what he said. From my observation, he would say, this man really was God's son. Now that's the core of the gospel. Do you understand that? Jesus was not a good guy. Jesus was not a good teacher. Jesus was not a good miracle worker. Jesus was Emmanuel, God in the flesh. Come on now. He's God in the flesh. And from this, this Gentile's observation was that this man was the son of God. He saw what the holy huddles could not see. He saw what the miracle seekers could not see. 
Now, was it a declaration of faith? I don't know. And you don't know either. Was it just an observation? Or was it an observation leading to a relationship in, in God's Son through grace? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you is, a hardened man looked that day and said, this guy really was the Son of God. And he knew, it. he knew something was going on because the crucifixion was different. I mean, not every crucifixion had darkness. Not every crucifixion had an earthquake. Not every crucifixion was over in six hours. But this one was. This one was. Truly, this man was the Son of God. And there were also women looking on from a distance. And I got, you know, we, we guys, we talk about, and today we live in, why does the women have to take the lead and the men won't step up? It's nothing new, folks. Where were, all the, where were all the boys at the crucifixion? All but one was hiding. His name was John. The other ten had left town. You'd be amazed how many times it's the women who took care. Now, I'm going to say, men, don't you take that as well. I'll just, men are supposed to be leaders. God called us to lead, not step back or run away. But in this case, once again, we know John was there with Mary, the mother of Jesus. But look at this. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them, not limited to, but among them was Mary of Magdalene. Mary of Magdalene. Mary of Magdalene. Luke chapter 8, I think it is. She was possessed by seven demons. And Brent, she met Jesus. And Jesus set her free. And can I just be candid with you? She couldn't get over it. She just couldn't. She became a devoted Christ follower. I once was demon possessed. I was owned by demons. And this man named Jesus Christ set me free. Telling you, church, listen to me today. Ecclesia, hear me today. Every one of us, it may not have been seven demons, but Jesus Christ has set us free. We are free from the penalty of sin, and we're free from the bondage of sin. Mary, I'm sure that day, Mary Magdalene was frightened to death. But she knew where she had to be. And it's at the cross. Which, by the way, she didn't understand. Like, we have the, the looking back picture. She didn't have that. But she knew one thing. That the man on the cross loved her. And she loved him. And then there's a, another Mary mentioned. And, and this is simply uh, the mother of James the Younger and uh, of Joseph. And we don't know anything. We don't know. We see those two guys were, were popular in the early church. We don't know who this Mary was. And then we have Salome. And Salome apparently, what? no, no, no. We know this. We know the fact that she was the mother of James and John. Remember James and John? The guys that want to have thrones? The inner circle James and John? That's her mama. And she was there. And one of the other scriptures, when it lists this group of women, says that it was the, the mother, or excuse me, it was Mary's sister. Mary, the mother of Jesus' sister. So very possibly Salome could have been Jesus' aunt. And they're standing there and they're seeing this go on. 
The Bible says that when he was in Galilee, they would follow him and help him. And many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. But my point is this. At, at day one, Brent, day one, hour one, the cross represents changed lives. At day one, our one, an old Roman cross. No, not the cross. The man on the cross. And what the man on the cross did represents changed lives. And for the skeptics, go figure. Almost 2,100 years later, he lived in an obscure village. No one should have known this man. And yet well over one-third of the world... That would be like 2.4 billion people associate Jesus' death on the cross and a relationship with God the Creator. 2.4 billion people. That's nothing to sneeze at. A guy that we shouldn't even know. Did you know we know more? I love this fact. We know a whole lot more about Jesus than we do any of the Caesars that ruled Rome. You know why? Because maybe he's the king. He's the king. You don't forget kings like Jesus. Never will. Never have. And my question today, my bottom line today is this. In America, I understand that we associate church with salvation. And man, we have done a tremendous job of messing people's heads up with church and Jesus, religion and salvation, we've muddled that. I want to make it perfectly clear. If you're here today and you've never reached that point where you recognize that Jesus was the Son of God and that He died, and if you're willing to turn from your sin and follow Him, if you've not done that, today you can be set free from your sin. Nothing to do with being a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Pentecostal, or a Presbyterian. Nothing to do with being baptized, good works, how many times you go to church, or how much money you give. For by grace, you can be saved today if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, for me it happened 38 years ago. And it has been a great ride. Can I have an amen? A lot of y'all have been saved longer than I've been alive. We have witnesses today of what Jesus Christ can do. And we want to invite you to come and receive that great gift. Through God's grace today. My friend, Brother Brent, will be standing right down front in front of this table. And I'm not trying to scare you to death. I'll have people bow their heads today because we all got to do business with God. But if you want to take Brent by the hand and say, okay, Brent, I, I, Dwayne's got my interest piqued. I want to know more about this man named Jesus. And we'll do our very best to answer questions. We won't stuff nothing down your throat. We won't twist your arm. But we want you to meet Jesus like we've met Jesus. That's the bottom line. The second bottom line is this. Today, again, it's, it's so easy for us to, um, to let the Calvary and, and that, the whole Jesus thing, if we, once we follow him, to become commonplace. And just like a marriage goes south, when, when people start taking advantage of one another, you know, we don't we have that expectation thing. Sometimes it's awfully easy for us as believers to lose the, uh, to lose the amazement factor of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christ follower today, and when we talk about things like the cross or the resurrection, nothing stirs. I'm not talking about emotion. When it becomes old hat, 
then why not today say, Jesus, help me never to get over you. Help me never to get over how much you love me. I was sitting, I went to the reception for Justin and Brittany Taylor. And I was sitting there, and there was a couple. And uh, he was six foot nine. He had to stand up and let me stand next to him. It was not a good experience. But I noticed him and his wife kept walking over and doing, you know, they were on the table, or not on the table, they were sitting at the table. He kept reaching over and grabbing her hand, you know. I said, well, maybe it's one of those second marriage deals. They've only been married like three years. I said, how long have y'all been married? Forty years. I said, dude, that's really cool. It's cool that they've been married 40 years. But it's cool, it's like they're still in love. Are you still in love with Jesus? Has the decades taken away the wonder of the love? Can I invite you to fall in love with Him again today? Now, we're blessed today to observe the Lord's table. And we're going to do that as part of our invitation time. What we'll do is we'll have the team come up. And I'm going to have you bow your heads. I'm going to let you stay seated. Um, we're going to bow your heads. And they're going to sing and play for us. And, um, and what I want you to do is, I want you to, again, if you need Christ, if you, I know it's churchy terms. I know that's churchy terms. But if you want to know more about, about God's grace and receiving Jesus you know, as, as the player in your life, the key player in your life, the king of your life, then I want you to come down and talk to Brent. I want you to do that. And everybody's heads can be bowed. And the rest of us that already know Jesus, you know, really, you know, is preparing to take the supper today. Um, you know, first off, we do open communion. So if you're a Christ follower, you're more than welcome to participate with us. No matter what denomination or church membership you got, that doesn't matter. Um, we're, we're family. We're family. But, but I want you to kind of wash your hands before you come to the table. If there's anything that God wants to talk to you about or you need to talk to God about, do that during the invitation time. Okay? And it may be God help me fall in love with you again. Jesus, help me fall in love with you again. And after that, our deacons will come up and we'll serve the table. Okay? Let's pray. Well, God, we sure appreciate the opportunity to share about this incredible, incredible day. Uh, now, about 2,100 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm truly amazed that it wasn't a plan gone bad. I'm truly amazed that before the foundation of the world was laid, there was a discussion about Jesus being the Lamb of God. Slain before the foundation of the world. As if it already had happened. Thank you that Rome was not in charge that day. And, and the scribes and Pharisees weren't in charge. But Jesus, you and your father were. Thank you so much for that. For my friend here today. Who, um, who's never received this marvelous gift of God's grace. And forgiveness of sin. Um, I want to pray, Father, that they'll have the courage. Now, I've got to know this. That you've got to draw them. I understand that. So would you draw them to yourself today? And may we be uh, guides to point them to the way of faith. Father, for my brothers and sisters in Christ and myself included, if there's any business we need to take care of today, may we be willing to do that. As we celebrate, as we celebrate and commemorate and remember what happened on a cross. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.